Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Come on, find somebody close to you and tell them God is amazing. He is so good. Aren't you glad we serve a God that's alive? We're starting today a new series titled Spirit Filled. And I don't know how long it's going to go, maybe three weeks, maybe four weeks. But this is something that's been in my heart for a while. There's actually a few things that have been... In our hearts, Carly and I, for a while, we want to do a relationship series as well. In the future, there's a few things that we have planned. We want to kick off this series titled Spirit-Filled because I believe that this is what makes the difference, y'all. You know, this is what makes the difference. We serve a God that's still alive. And we serve a God that lives inside of us. And today we're going to kick off this series getting to know a little bit about what is the Spirit. I mean... We're towards the end of the year, and a lot of people during this time of year, they start talking about the Christmas spirit. What exactly is this Christmas spirit? Anyways, you know, people, they associate it with, you know, songs, the carols, days that you don't have to go to work because it's the holidays and a lot of food and family comes over. You know, that, just that whole warm, fuzzy feeling. People describe it as the Christmas spirit. How many seniors are in this place? Any seniors, high school seniors? We know about school spirit. What's the senior spirit or the school spirit? Well, UM. Anybody went to UM here? It's all about the U, right? The school spirit. You go support the football games or Panther Pride. I know there's a lot of, right? Yeah, we got more amends for Panthers than UM. All right. Panther Pride, you know, we support our school. That's probably one of the reasons why we confuse the Holy Spirit with all these other spirits because everything that i just mentioned the christmas spirit uh, school spirit senior spirit it has to do with feelings right and sometimes we think that the the holy spirit is just the feeling and it's so much more than that the holy spirit is not a force some people think that it's like this invisible force you know like star wars may the force be with you and you just can't see it but you just feel it or i don't know you just it's like a feeling. Some people think it's a mist. I was just talking to Enier out there, and he was like, man, when I started going to church, people would talk about the Holy Spirit, and I thought it was like this mysterious fog or a mysterious mist that we don't even know what it is. You know, it's just, it's just there. I know who the Father is. I know who the Son is. I don't know the Holy Spirit. So two out of three, that's 67%. I guess I'm good, right? I pray to the Father, pray to the Son. But we miss out on what the Holy Spirit is, and that's what we want to dedicate these next three weeks because it's so important for you to know about the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's not a mist. It's not a force. It's not a cloud. Some people think that it's a cloud. Let me just tell you, it's not even an it. It's not even an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. I want you to look the person that's sitting closest to you straight in their eyes and tell them the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is a person. I'm going to try to repeat this as much as I can because this is one of the things that you could be missing out so much. And this is what makes such a difference in the life of a Christian. The Holy Spirit, it's not a force. It's not a mist. It's not a mysterious fog like any other used to think. It is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. How many say amen to that? 
It's the third person of the Trinity. You see, in the fourth century, they started calling this the Trinity. But if you look in the Bible, you see that there's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Jesus taught us that when we baptize people, and we're going to have a baptism soon, December the 3rd, we have to baptize people in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. So when we go out to the beach and when we go to the baptism, I'm going to start asking the people that are going to get baptized, are you willing to follow Jesus every single day of your life? Hopefully they say yes. When they say yes, I go, okay, now I baptize you before all these witnesses that are here in this place in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because all three are God. How many say amen? The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. Sometimes we say, well, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we think that, that the Holy Spirit is number three. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is number one, just like the Father and just like the Son. Just because we mention him third doesn't mean that he has less power. All three are one. How many say amen? And I know this is hard to be able to explain. If it's three of them, how could it be one? Maybe it's not the best example, but the Bible says that we're body, soul, and spirit, and we're one person. When you have an egg, you have the outside of the egg, you have the yolk, and you have the white, but it's just one egg. The Holy Spirit has a role, the Father has a role, and the Son has a role, but it's one God in three persons. How many say amen? A little bit more about him before we get on to today's message. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is mentioned more than 800 times. You think that's important to know? I mean, if something's mentioned in the Bible 800 times, you know that it's important. He's also known as the Spirit of God. He's also known as the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And the first time he's ever mentioned is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. If you want to go with me really quick, I'm going to try to be as quick as possible. Genesis 1, 2, the second verse in the entire Bible, it says, The earth was without form. And it was void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. There was no creation yet. You and I didn't exist. Adam and Eve didn't exist. The blue-green algae didn't exist. Nothing existed, okay? And the Bible says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So even before time, even before you and me existed, even before creation, the Spirit of God was there. How many say amen? Now, on that same chapter in verse 26, Something very interesting, because you see, you talk to Jehovah Witnesses, and they say, Jesus is not God. He's the Son of God, but he's not God. But here you see that from the beginning of time, in Genesis 1.26, it says that God said, let us. And you see that us is capitalized. God is saying that if God was just one person, who else was there in that meeting? He's saying, let us. Who was there? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they had a conversation. And they said, let us make man in our, capital O, our image. He could have said, I'm going to make man to my image if it was just one person. But you see here, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit represented even before time. Some people think that God created Jesus. That was Jesus incarnated. But Jesus was living even before creation. As a matter of fact, Jesus was never born. He was always, he's always been just like God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. I hope I'm not confusing you, but I just want to show you how all three of them are one. All three of them have never been born. They have always been and they will always be. Amen? The Holy Spirit is God. 
And he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So look at the person closely and tell him, you have the likeness of God. That's right. We were created to the likeness and to the image of God. So now that we have established this, let's see what this means to us. Let's see how the Holy Spirit is important and why we're even here today, right? We're talking about being spirit-filled. Today is going to be more of an introduction to get to know a little bit about the Holy Spirit, and next week we're going to start building on that. Today may be just a little bit more tedious than the following weeks, but the following weeks we're going to start seeing how the Holy Spirit works and how it is important in our lives, all right? So for too many people, the Christian life, living as a Christian, boils down to simply doing the best that we can. Sometimes we live by this motto. You know, I'm not perfect, but I try to do the best that I can. The problem is that when you settle to live this way, when you settle to live the best that you can, there is no power or distinction that will set you apart from everyone else in the world. I mean, doesn't everybody try to do the best that they can? Everybody tries to be the best person that they can. Some do better than others, but I think that everybody has a true, genuine desire to do the best that they can in their marriage, in their lives, in everything that has to do with their lives. So what happens when we settle, the good we do can be attributed to our own discipline, our own determination, our own devotion to God, instead of his activity in our lives. When you don't give the Holy Spirit space in your life to work inside of you, you're settling for you doing everything that God wants you to do in your own power. And that could end up being pretty frustrating in time. We have many churchgoers whose Christian doctrine can be summed up in two statements. Those two statements are, nobody's perfect, and God understands. So whenever we fail, we say, oh, well, nobody's perfect, God understands. Nobody's perfect, God understands. And you know, if you've been living this way, I'm not here to condemn you. God saved me from that. I need the grace of God every single day. But I just want to offer you something that's at your disposition, something to give you strength to be able to live the way that God wants you to live, to be able to reach greater things, to be able to be used by God in a supernatural way. And to do that, man, it's going to take more than just your determination. It's going to take more than just discipline and devotion. You're going to need a power that comes from above to be able to get you to live the way God wants you to live. How many say amen? And that's what we're talking about today. It's about the Holy Spirit. Physicians work hard to be able to get patients to do better. The same way teachers, we have a couple of them here, you know, they work hard to be able to educate kids and make them smarter and, you know, give them hope to be someone in life later on. As a pastor, I strive for people to know the truth and hear about Jesus. That's my goal. I mean, as a pastor, I love seeing people growing in the Lord and coming maybe with their life messed up and God just turning their lives upside down. True transformation from within. And then those people affecting other people's lives, influencing other people's. It, it's, what we, it's what we work for. As pastors, as leaders, that's what it's inside of us. Nothing is more satisfying than seeing men, women, young people come to know the goodness and grace of God. I love seeing others integrate the principles of God's word into their lives and seeing the fruits of it. As a pastor, that's one of the things that gives us great satisfaction. Now, on the other hand, nothing can be more frustrating to a pastor than knowing people are listening week after week after week, coming to church, but not doing anything with what they hear. It's frustrating when you, when you come and you hear from God and you share, 
and people say amen and everything, but then they don't apply the principles and therefore there's no fruit. And because of that, many people don't enjoy the freedom the Lord created them to experience. I want you to look at the person that's closest to you and tell them there's so much more that God wants to give you and tell them, and that God wants to do through you than what you've seen today. Come on, tell them, as a matter of fact, what you've seen so far is nothing compared to what God wants to do in your life. But it all has to do with how we apply the principles, whether we come to church like a sponge, ready to soak up everything that God has for our lives. JTP Church, we got to make sure that we don't become attendance rich, but application poor. We come to church, but then when it comes to applying it, you know, we don't get there and we don't see the fruit. And sometimes we get frustrated and we even fight with God. And we say, God, why don't I see this in my life? Why don't I see prosperity flowing in my life? But we, we don't tithe. I mean, come on. God gave you principles to be able to prosper you and give you a future and be able to leave blessing and inheritance for your children and the children of your children. But then if we don't apply it, if we come application poor and just attendance rich, then we don't see it. Tony Evans said this. Our lives are to be a commercial announcement of a kingdom coming. Our lives, when people see us, we should be a commercial about how great God is. People should see something different in us. How many say amen? People should be able to look at us and know that there's something about us. And it has nothing to do with how we comb our hair, whether or not we have tattoos or the clothes that we wear, but who we are. John 13, 35 says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. God wants us to be so close to him that when people see us, they say, man, I see Jesus in you. Anybody in your situation would have just lost it, but you're so calm, collected, and how come? I mean, what, what do you have? You're different. You know, you react different than what I, why? Because I have Christ in me. If you're a Christian, there should be something different in the way you do business. If everybody cheats and doesn't pay their taxes, Man, you're a Christian, and you know that God says, give to Caesar what is of Caesar, and to God what is of God. So you got to, the way you do business, the way you pay your taxes, it has to be something that glorifies God. There should be a clear distinction in the way we raise our children. How many parents are here? Right? We raise our children in the fear of God. We bring them to church. Yeah, sometimes they get antsy, like Lucas. Right now, he was not having it. He didn't have a long nap. So he was inquieto and... You know, and sometimes parents get frustrated, but you know what? Day in and day out, week in and week out, we bring our children, and you don't even realize it, but the word is getting in them, and they start growing up in this culture. I remember when I was growing up, my parents started putting tents all over the city, and some of you guys are from way back then. I'm talking about like the late 80s, 87, 88, 89, early 90s, and we were putting the tent all over Hialeah in different places, and we would have services every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's every day. Every day, we had one crusade where we had eight months without resting one day. Eight months, every single day. And I was about 12 years old or 11 years old. My sister was six years old. And we knew that every night, I mean, we would get home from school, do our homeworks, out to La Carpa. And we would go there, and we would be there late because my father would finish preaching. And since it was in the street, we would get a lot of street people coming in, a lot of people bound to drugs. You know, we had drunks come in wanting to testify. I, I remember one drunk, one time he said, I used to drink six cans of beer and I used to get drunk. And now I drink 12 and I don't get drunk. Glory to God. 
Literally, he gave that testimony. So we have people from the streets all the time. We had drug dealers and crack addicts, and, but they would come and be set free by the power of God. So after praying and, you know, demons manifesting and setting people free, then people would need advice. So by the time we got home, it was late. You guys know that as a parent, you know, you need to put the kids to sleep. They need to sleep their eight hours. But, you know, all of that, God was forming who I would be, and that's why I'm here today serving God with all my heart. I don't think that was detrimental to me. On the contrary, I think that that's what built me up, right? So Christian marriages also, we talked about how we should raise our children. Well, Christian marriages should be testimonies of the love of Jesus. People should see you and they'd say, my gosh, I want a marriage like that. When I find my husband, the ladies or the guys, when I find my wife, the, the person I want to spend the rest of my life, I want to be like that couple. People that see us should be enamored by the unity and love they see among us in the church and how we treat others. But unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And as a consequence, people get a wrong perspective on the person and on the work of Christ. Because in the end, you are God's ambassador. So sometimes the way we carry ourselves gives God a bad name. When we don't have fruit, when we don't see miracles, when we don't see something supernatural in our life, when we don't see the provision of God in our lives, people see and say, why do I want to be like you? I mean, I think I'm better off being me. But why is it? Because we settle for, oh, no, I'm just doing this the best that I can. When God had prepared the Holy Spirit to fill you and to do a lot more than what you can do in your own power. How many say Amen. How can we expect people to embrace a Savior that they know nothing of? How can we expect them to surrender to a Lord whose servants do not reflect his love and his character? As ambassadors for Christ, we have the responsibility of living in such a way that others see Jesus in us. Tell the person next to you, we got to live in a way that others can clearly see Jesus in us. We are God's hands and feet here on earth. We are his words. You are the only Jesus that some people will ever know. You will be as close to God as people will ever know because of who they hang around with. And, you know, sometimes God puts you in key places and you're like, God, why did you even put me to work here with all these people that are doing things that, you know, I feel like I'm not in my, well, maybe God put you there with a specific reason. He put you there because he wanted you to be a light there. That's as close to Jesus as those people will probably ever see in their lives. And you know, if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, if you are a spirit-filled believer, you are going to change that darkness into light rather than them taking you into their darkness. How many say amen? So you'd be surprised to know that most believers are convinced that it's the pastor's responsibility to bring people into the church as well as into the kingdom of God. Nothing can be further from the truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says this. It says that the Lord appoints pastors among the fivefold ministry, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, etc. To the church to equip believers to serve God and to do ministry. So the work of a pastor, the work for evangelists, the work of the apostles is to be able to equip the church equip the believers to be able to serve God and also do ministry. Ministry is to minister to the people, bring them to the church. Sometimes we think that the pastor is the only one that could pray for people that are sick and for them to be healed. Man, God says that you could do that. All you need is faith. You just need to believe it. 
And you, could, you don't have to call the pastor. I don't mind people calling me to ask for prayer. But, I mean, you have the power. God gave you the power there. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. You can be spirit-filled, and you can just lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. You know, we don't activate these gifts. And sometimes when something happens, we freak out. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? You need to know who you are in Christ. When you're spirit-filled, you have this boldness inside of you. You know who you are. No devil can come against you. If the devil tries to take away, if the devil tries to get in the way of your blessing, get in the way of your marriage, get in the way of your health, man, you just stand up and you say, devil, you don't got a place here because I'm a son of God in Jesus' name. You start doing spiritual warfare and you see the evidence of that. You see the results. And then you come and you give testimony in JTP Church. That's how it works. Look what Charles Stanley said. God's primary method for reaching people is not through sermons, but through people. The way God reaches people is not so much through sermons like I'm giving today, but through people, through you taking what you receive today and tomorrow morning in school, tomorrow morning when you're at work and you see people in need or you see people that are going through situations to be able to give them a word and say, hey, you know what? You don't have to live that way. God said that you're more than a conqueror. You haven't found out about what God, your father, said about you? You're living in a way that you don't have to because God gives you grace. God can pull you out of any situation, and you start just sharing with people. We live in a hopeless society. We live in a society where young people are cutting themselves. We live in a society when people are tapping into drugs, sleeping with everybody they find, doing so many things because they're trying to satisfy a need that they have inside, and they don't realize that the only person that could satisfy that need is God. So they try to look here, and they look there, and they look there. And, and, you know, once they try everything, they say, well, you know, I tried everything, and I'm still void. I don't have what I need. I still feel that there's something missing. And, you know, they end up taking their lives. Maybe that person that worked with them didn't stand up and say, hey, you know what? What you need is Jesus. Give God an opportunity and you'll see that he'll fill your void. He'll change your life. He'll give you a purpose. He'll connect you with your destiny. Amen? And we're the ones that need to carry out that role. And we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need men and women whose lives and lifestyles have been deeply affected by the truths of the Scripture. That's what God is looking for. I'm not saying that God's looking for perfect people. God is looking for imperfect men, imperfect women but that have learned to walk in moment-by-moment dependence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know that I'm under control. I know that God has me in the palm of his hands. I know that the Holy Spirit's going to direct me. That's why I'm going to start every single day saying, Holy Spirit, please guide me. Guide me to be able to be the man that you want me to be this day. If there's people that you want me to help or reach out to, if there's things that you want me to do, if, if you want to show your glory in somebody's favor, in somebody's house, in somebody's marriages, connect me to that person. Create a divine connection because I'm a vessel. I want to be used to be able to bless people. I want to be used to be able to reach out to people. So whatever you have in mind, here I am. You start your day like that every single day, you're going to be surprised to the things that God's going to connect you with. You're going to see what in the world? I don't even know this person. How in the world did this happen? Why? Because you were, just like we just sang a few minutes ago, surrendered, soul surrendered to the one who gave it all. God, you gave everything for me. Now I'm surrendered to you. Use me as you please. And the Holy Spirit empowers you. I started off today saying that that's the difference between all the other religions. You see, all the other religions, they talk about morals. They talk about being a good person, 
doing good to others. But the difference with Christianity is that God promised us power. Tell the person next to you, power. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's power. It's power to, when certain situations aren't going your way, to determine and talk to situations and change situations by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Anybody got that power? God is looking for Christians who have come to terms with their inadequacies, their fears, their failures. Believers who have become discontent with just surviving. Some people come to church and they're just surviving. They're like, I'm here, but man, I'm just here because I don't even know why I'm here. Been coming here for a long time. It's more of a habit than anything. God's looking for people that they're tired of just surviving. And you start taking the time to investigate everything that God has to offer you in life. And you start discovering that there's so much more. I want you to write this down if you have something to write down with. God's method for reaching this generation is not through preachers and sermons, but through Christians whose lifestyles are empowered and directed by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again because I know it's long. God's method for reaching this generation and any generation, not just this generation, is not through preachers and sermons, but through Christians, you and me, people, not perfect, imperfect people, but surrendered and they're willing. Whose lifestyles are empowered and directed by the Holy Spirit. And I want to go to the next topic. And I want to talk to you about the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about this promise because in a Christian life, this is what makes all the difference. You see, you could be coming to church for 20 years and feel bored out of your mind every single day because you're doing the best that you can and you're coming here and all you're hearing is words. Sometimes you feel encouraged because it's a faith-based message and, you know, we talk about your dreams and you have big dreams so you feel encouraged. And, but it's, there's no power behind that. But what makes the difference is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Maybe as a Christian, and I want everybody to pay attention to this, especially people that have been here for a long time, Maybe you have given up trying to live by God's standards. And I'm sure there are people here, because I struggled with this as well. We all struggle with this. You're trying to live by God's standards. You see the Bible, and you're like, wow, God has so many things that, that he tells me that I should do. And I'm doing the best that I can. I'm trying, I'm, I'm about 80% in. We get to a point after a while that we give up trying to live by God's standards because you're tired of failing. You're tired of trying to do the best you can, but you always fall short. That could get pretty frustrating after a while. Or maybe you just settled for living Christian life as best as you can. You're good in certain areas, but in other areas you've already accepted that I'm not going to be able to do that. That's just too much for me. And you've settled for that. If that's you, I just want to tell you that there's hope tonight. Jesus once made a promise, and I want you to pay attention to this. He once made a promise to his closest followers when they were about to give hope. You see, they followed Jesus for three years, they saw amazing things. His disciples, they received teachings directly from Jesus. Could you imagine that? I mean, it wasn't that they heard it from a pastor. I mean, Jesus himself taught them for three years. They walked with him. They saw the miracles. And now all of a sudden, they crucified Jesus. And Jesus died. So these people are like, well, what do we do now? Some of them even went back to doing what they were used to doing before they met Jesus, which was fishing. But then Jesus, during 40 days, after he resurrected, he started appearing to them before he went to heaven. And in one of those appearances, he tells them this, John 14, 18. 
And I believe this is going to give hope to people that have fallen short and that you probably are right there about to throw in the towel or that you've settled to say, you know, I'm going to live the best that I can. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I mean, they were freaking out because Jesus now is dead. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes back from the dead and he's telling them, look, I'm not going to leave you orphans. What's an orphan? An orphan is a, a child that, what, doesn't have any parents. So they're like, well, Jesus, you, you came and you revolutionized the world in three years. And we're going to follow everything you do. And you got us. I mean, we're behind you. We're your squad. But all of a sudden, they killed you. And, and now what? So he comes back and he tells them, look, don't worry about it. I'm not going to leave you orphans. You guys are not going to be alone. I will come to you. You want to hear what's the funny part about this? That a few days after Jesus said this, he returned to his father in heaven and they were there. All the disciples, they saw Jesus say, this is my time. I got to go back to the father. And just as they were standing right there, just like you are right there sitting down, Jesus just started floating up into the air and he just started going up, going up and until he got lost in the clouds and he went back to the father. Two angels came and they told the disciples, why are you looking up so intently the same Jesus that you see right now going up will one day return and till this day we're waiting for his return but isn't it crazy that he told them look don't worry about it I died but now I resurrected I'm not gonna leave you orphans I will come to you but now all of a sudden he left so imagine what they were feeling like saying look didn't you just say that you weren't gonna leave us alone that you were gonna stay with us I mean you defeated death why are you leaving we need you here and maybe there are followers of Jesus here that feel like abandoned orphans. Without direction, maybe you feel unmotivated, discouraged, looking for someone to explain why your faith appears to be failing as of late. And you're simply just hanging on, doing the best that you can. But Jesus promised that this would not be the case. John 10.10, 10, you have to read this, you have to underline this in your Bible because this makes a whole lot of a difference in your life. John 10.10, 10, I'm going to read the second part of the verse. It says, I have come that they, and that's you, when he's saying they, that's you and me, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So God came, not so that you could be living frustrated, not so that you could be discouraged. God came so that you could have life and so that you could have life abundantly come on tell the person next to you put a smile in your face and tell them God's desire for your life is for you to have an abundant life come on can somebody scream from where you're sitting what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about abundance more than enough a whole lot more than enough so much you got to give it away anybody anybody else adjectives overflow thank you Right? Abundance. And that's the life that God has come to give you. It starts off by saying the thief, and we all know who the thief is. It's a spiritual thief, Satan, right? He comes to do nothing but to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his job title. He comes to take away, to steal your faith, to kill, to steal, to destroy. But then Jesus comes to offset everything he's come to do. And maybe... You've been a victim of the enemy trying to have his way in your family, in your finances, in your health, in your marriage, and whatever. But Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life, and not just a regular life, 
God doesn't want you just to survive and say, well, at least I'm breathing, right? And you're just like laying in bed. I mean, I have the worst life. No, so that you may have it more abundantly. If the Christian life was simply a matter of doing our best, there would be no need of God to send his Holy Spirit to us. Am I right? If it was all about you trying to do the best you can in your own powers, then why did God have to send the helper? Why did God have to send the Holy Spirit? I mean, it would have been a waste. There has to be a reason why God sent the Holy Spirit. After all, our best is our best. How in the world can we outdo or can we one-up our best? Right? We say, okay, I'm doing the best that I can. If you're doing the best that you can, then you've reached the best level. How can you outdo your best? That's why the Holy Spirit came. That's why God sent them. Jesus told us, however, that God was looking for more than our best. Tell the person next to you, because this is liberating. Tell the person next to you, God, he expects from you, sorry, more than your best. God expects from us more than our personal best. He's looking for a lifestyle, an attitude that superseded what we could do and one that we can never attain through our own efforts. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He's talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to go to the Father, and he's telling them, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. And I think this truth will set you guys free as well. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Helper, capital H, will not come to you. But if I leave or if I depart, then I will send him to you. You see why Jesus needed to leave and go to the Father? Because now, as Jesus went to the Father, the Father sent the Holy Spirit to us. And the Holy Spirit is who? The Holy Spirit is God. Person. It's not a mysterious mist. Okay? It's not a force. May the force be with you. It's a person. You know what the Bible says? That when you come and give your life to God, you know when we do the altar calls here? And we say, you know, if you want to let God into your heart, come up here and we're just going to ask for forgiveness for our sins and God's going to come into our hearts and give us salvation and everlasting life. He's going to erase all our sins. He's going to give us forgiveness. Guess who's the one that comes into our hearts? The Holy Spirit. So guess what? If, if you are a believer, if you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Now, Jesus as a person, he was a man just like you and me. He came, he was born out of the Virgin Mary, but he was a person, flesh and blood. He would sweat just like you and me. He would go to the bathroom just like you and me. So he was limited, humanly limited, to be able to be with a group of 12 people. He blessed the multitudes, but you see that, you know, whenever he wanted to do something, he had to be present in that place, except for a few times where he sent the word because of somebody's faith. But he would be walking, he'll see a blind man, the blind man said, have mercy of me, son of David, and he'd go and he'd heal him. But he was limited to his human form, but now with the Holy Spirit, you see the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, the Holy Spirit is in China right now, inside of people that are sleeping on the other side of the world, the Holy Spirit lives inside of everybody, and I have direct access to God. Isn't that much better than Jesus being here? That's why he was telling him, look, it's more convenient or it's to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, guess what? 
I'm going to send over the helper. Come on, put your hands around somebody close to you and tell them you got the helper. Tell them you got help for anything you need. But you just need to have access. You need to get access and understand that he is there. You know, the helper, the Holy Spirit, wants to invade all of your life. Listen up, JTP Church. The Holy Spirit wants to invade your thoughts. He wants to take over your will. He wants to take over your plans. He's the one that connects you to God's plans for your life. He shares them with you. He reveals them when you're in a moment of prayer, when you're seeking him, and he starts showing you things, and he connects you to what God has planned for your life. But you know what some of us do when we don't pray, when we don't read the Bible, when we don't seek the Holy Spirit? It's like we have them inside of us, but we have them like in an efficiency way out there on the outsides of our life in the corners of our hearts way over there and whenever he wants to do something we shut him off so you have everything that you need inside of you you have god living within you but the way you can connect to god is through prayer that's why the devil doesn't want you to pray one of the things he comes to steal from you is prayer your prayer life he comes to steal. He comes to destroy your prayer life so that you won't connect to God, so that you will never see all the plans that God has for you come to pass. But when you start knowing how the enemy works, man, it doesn't matter if you don't feel like praying. I'm going to pray today because I need it. I need to connect with God today. Man, maybe I'm feeling sick. Maybe I woke up late, but you know what? I can't leave that door without getting on my knees and saying, Holy Spirit, Help me, help me today, connect me to the right people, open doors, keep me from falling in temptation, give me the strength to be able to represent you in a way that when people see me, they will see you and connect me with people. I, you know, I'm not perfect, I have a thousand imperfections, but use me to be able to be a vessel through which your presence could flow. Man, that will liberate you. That will change your life and that's what God is looking for people to be able to give the Holy Spirit a chance in their lives. Living a Christian life is not dependent on being determined. Some of you guys tell me, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And I see you guys go and in your power, you lose 20 pounds. That's something that you could do in your power. But the things that God has called you to do, you cannot do in your power. It's not about determination. It doesn't even get easier with time. It's not something that you could grow into. JTB Church, I want to tell you that it's absolutely unattainable. You cannot live the Christian life in your own power. It's, it's unattainable. We can't live it. The beauty of this is that God doesn't expect you to live it in your own power. He knows it's unfeasible through your own strength. It's time we come to grips with this liberating truth. You need to understand this, and this will set you free. Speaking to those people that sometimes you're about to throw in the towel because you're trying to do the best you can, but you realize that you haven't reached, and you, you don't even try anymore because you've given up. You're just going through the motions. Well, this truth can set you free. And the truth is that the Christian life is impossible. And maybe you're saying, this doesn't give me much hope. That statement kind of like, actually it makes it seem like I have no hope. But there's a truth and there's something liberating about the fact that the Christian life is impossible to do in your own strength. Perhaps you've been trying to live the abundant life Jesus provided for you apart from the help of the Holy Spirit and it's worn you out. 
But don't worry, that's a problem that can be fixed. And I want to finish with this. If there ever was a group of people in the Bible who should have been able to live a consistent Christian life just by doing their best, it was the apostles of Jesus Christ. And I wrote a few things down. The apostles of Jesus Christ had so many advantages that you and I don't have. I mean, they walked with Jesus. They were taught by Jesus. They were taught by the master. They were there when Jesus healed the lame, the guy that couldn't walk, and he told him, get up, and the guy just started walking. They were present when he spit on the floor. He mixed saliva with the dirt, and he put it on the eyes of the sick person, and the sick person all of a sudden regained his sight. They were there when he called out Lazarus, who was four days dead inside a tomb. Stinky old Lazarus. And he just said, Lazarus, come forth. He just called him out. And the guy was wrapped up. And even though he was wrapped up, he came out. Don't ask me if he rolled, if he hopped. But the thing is that when God sends his word, (laughs) it has to happen. He said, let there be light. And there was light. So they saw all of this. So if there was a group of people that could do the Christian life in the power of their own strength, it would be them. They saw the glory of the Lord displayed before them in undeniable ways. They even performed miracles themselves. You guys remember when Jesus sent them out and told them, look, now you guys go. Don't take anything on your trip because God shall provide. Just go and heal the sick, knock on every door. If people receive you, say the peace of God comes in this home. If people shut the door on you, just shake the dust from your shoes and just keep on going and blessing the people that want to be blessed. So they went there and they came back and they said, Jesus, it was incredible. We prayed for the sick. They recovered. We did this. We did that. They operated miracles. No one had more evidence or could have been more convinced. Yet in their last encounter with Jesus, he let them know that they were still missing something. And I want to share that with you as we finish. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, 5, and then we're going to skip to 8. It says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Everybody say the promise of the Father. This is what we're talking about, JTP Church. This is the promise that wasn't just for the apostles. This is the promise that God has for you. And this is the promise that will change your life upside down. They did amazing things. They saw amazing things. But now Jesus is leaving, and he says, you know what? For you to accomplish the will that I have for your life, you're going to need the promise. Which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, but you shall receive what? I want you to say it out loud. Come on, church. But you shall receive what? Power. You see, that's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference in your Christian life, power. If you just got words, there's nothing that differentiates us from any other religion. But you see, what makes the difference is power. And God says, here's the promise that I have for you guys. It's not just words. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After all they had seen, heard, and done, you know what? They still weren't ready. They still needed something. They needed someone. They needed the Holy Spirit in their lives. 
maybe some of them ask themselves, I mean, we have the power. Didn't we heal the sick? I mean, didn't we cast out demons? Why do we need to wait in Jerusalem? Can't we just get this started? Can't we just start doing what Jesus was doing and carrying on what he was doing, his ministry? But Jesus told them, look, you guys need the power. Now, if 11 men who walked with Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need him? Sometimes we get frustrated because we want to make disciples. We want to do what God called us to do. We want to be witnesses, just like it says there, to all of Hialeah, to the place where you work, to your school. But you try to do it in your own strength, and you're only going to end up frustrated because you were never meant to be a witness of the power of God without the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. You see, when you start giving the Holy Spirit a chance in your life, when you start connecting with the Holy Spirit, which is God, he starts giving you opportunities. He starts speaking to you. We spoke a little while ago about God still speaking over our lives. Well, he speaks to you. Sometimes not audibly, but the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you just gives you a calmness. His still small voice speaks to you and confirms certain things. And I know some of you guys have experienced this, that you're walking, you're going about your business on a Tuesday afternoon, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, talk to that person and tell him that I love him. I'm like, okay, God, I don't even know that person. What if that person is having a bad day? What if he has a knife and he just doesn't like what I, my face? Or, but the Holy Spirit knows what that person is going through, and he connects you. He creates this divine connection, and supernatural things start happening. And the reason why we don't see supernatural things happening all around us is because we're trying to do the best that we can when we have this amazing gift, this amazing resource, the most incredible power that you will ever receive, which is called the Holy Spirit. How many thank God for that? Come on, life is so, don't ever settle for living life without the Holy Spirit. No wonder sometimes you're so bored out of your mind in church. No wonder you, Christian life for you is boring. It's because, man, you're missing out on the greatest gift that God gave to all of us Christians, the power of the Holy Spirit, God living in me, God speaking to me, God working through me. How many say amen? Stand on your feet. Jesus knew that these 11 men would need more than just their human abilities to carry them. JTP Church, I don't know how else to get this message across to you, but your human abilities, you may be super bright. You may have incredible talents. Praise God for that. We need that in the church. But you got to understand that your human abilities is nothing. You will never be able to be the person that God called you to be. You will never see all the fullness of God's greatness and God's plan for your life until you tap into the Holy Spirit and start connecting with God. You see, these people had witnessed and they learned so many things through Jesus, but they needed help. They needed the helper. They needed the Holy Spirit. If they dared not to make a move until they were assured of his presence and his power in their lives, how foolish are we to charge out our house every morning without giving God our first thoughts? No wonder our lives sometimes are characterized by defeat rather than victory. No wonder our lives sometimes are characterized by sorrow rather than joy, by frustration rather than peace. Apart from the helper, life is reduced to doing the best that we can. I don't know you, but to me, that's just not enough. I don't want to settle 
for just doing the best that I can. Oh, God, you know, I failed you again. I'm doing the best that I can. No, God says, I have given you the Holy Spirit so you could stand on my truth, so you could defeat temptation, so you could do things that people haven't even thought about because as you connect with God, God is so great. He's so magnificent. I've noticed that in the Bible, he would never do things the same way twice. You see, God wants to use you in such a unique way that people will say, that's not Melissa. That, that's not Daniela. That's not Jesus. God, that person's anoint. That person's filled of the Holy Spirit because no man could do that. If your life sums up things that you could do on your own and you've never seen anything supernatural in your life, you know what? It's time. I'm going to stop trying to do everything in my own strength. I'm going to stop trying to do the best that I can, and I'm going to tap into the source because through God, I have unlimited power. He said, when you're filled of the Holy Spirit, power will come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Don't try to be a witness without the power because you only end up frustrated. You only end up concluding saying, you know what, this is not for me. This is not my ministry. No, 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 no. God called you to be a light unto the people. Don't fool yourself. But you need the power. You need the helper. You need the Holy Spirit. And I'm believing God for spirit-filled men here in JTP Church, for spirit-filled women. I think the women were a little bit more into it, right? Spirit-filled kids, spirit-filled youth in this place. You see, when you're filled of God's spirit, you don't need for pastor to tell you to bring people to church because you're busy exercising your gifts and manifesting the power of God in your school, in your work, in your neighborhood, everywhere. As a matter of fact, you're creating problems for the pastor because the pastor now has to think, how in the world am I going to fit all these people? I, I got I to gotta find money to buy bigger buildings because, man, these people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're bringing people to church in buses. Two or three amens. But we're getting there. Pastors and leaders who are filled with the Spirit don't simply use the pulpit to entertain and comfort people, but to equip, but to challenge them to do the work of the ministry. That's what God has entrusted us as leaders. If I want to have a time of worship, we want to just cry out to the Holy Spirit today. We're going to cut a ribbon today. And maybe there's people here that neglected the Holy Spirit for a long time. Maybe you didn't even know what it was, and that's okay. But today is a new beginning. We're going to cut a ribbon, and today we're going to celebrate this first encounter of opening our lives to the Holy Spirit and telling him, look, you're in there somewhere. But you know what? I want to give you control of all of me. I want to surrender all, just like we sang a little while ago. All of my soul, all that I am, I don't want to just settle for the plans that I have for my life. I want to connect with your unlimited resources. I want to see the grace of God flow in me just like it flowed through the life of Daniel. I want to see God do things in me just like I saw him do through Peter.